This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 95. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right. What's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and a podcast all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Welcome and Happy New Year. If you're listening today, which is January 1st, 2018, special Happy New Year, whether you're listening uh, you know, a little later in the week because you were partying on New Year's Day, welcome. Uh, really excited to just launch a new year and, and to have you as a listener on the podcast. And if you didn't listen to episode 94, last episode, I talk about how I'm going to be setting up uh, my 2018 for a successful music year. And I talked a little bit about my successes and some of my failures. So I, I do hope that you go back and listen to that episode if you haven't yet. You know, whenever we talk about the new year and, and resolutions and goals, you know, all those things are really important for our, our success. And in, in, in our case, our musical success, our success uh, with becoming better jazz musicians. So be sure to listen back to that one. But while I was thinking about, you know, what would be a great podcast episode to launch 2018. I thought to myself, you know, what better way to start than to talk about actually playing music, going out there and playing? Because, you know, why, why at the end of the day do we spend all the time that we do in the practice room, working hard, you know, working on our technique, working on learning jazz language, working on learning repertoire? Why do we do it? The end goal, and, and hopefully you are doing a little bit of this already, is to actually go out there and play, to play gigs or even to go out and play jam sessions. And, you know, I've been playing a lot of gigs lately. You know, I am a professional musician, so I do play a lot of gigs in general, but I just got off of December, which is the holiday season, tons of holiday gigs, just lots of playing. And so I thought to myself, it'd be great to talk today about 10 tips for successful gigs and jam sessions, things that I just have observed from just playing hundreds and hundreds of gigs over my career, and especially as it's so fresh in my mind of just night night after night of gigs. And so I'd love to share uh, that all with you today. Now, if you're not playing gigs yet, I want you to make this a very big part of your 2018, or at least a goal. You know, I have a couple Skype students um, that I teach. You know, I don't teach as much these days, but when I do teach some Skype students, one thing that's always lacking, that's always missing, is the playing side, us actually getting to play with each other. It's more like a consulting session, which is really awesome. But I always encourage them to be getting out of the practice room, to be getting out and playing gigs and playing jam sessions, because that's where the real learning happens. That's where the real experience happens. And, you know, you can read books, you can theorize about things, you can practice exercises, do all kinds of stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to go out there and do it. So I hope that you will make 2018 the year that you either start playing gigs or start 
start going to jam sessions or or if you're already doing that, playing more of these things, you know, getting out there even more. Not only is it going to be beneficial for your jazz education, it's going to be beneficial for you. It's going to be fun. That's really why we do this, right? We can go out there and play with others. So without further ado, let me jump into 10 tips for successful gigs and jam sessions. Now, today's tips aren't so much uh, on the professional side, like as in showing up early to the gig, making sure you show up on time, making sure that you're dressed properly and you know not abusing your breaks. It's not really so much that stuff today, although all that stuff is certainly important. This is more uh, tips for actually being prepared and, and actually having great musical situations, playing with other people, being successful, and actually creating great musical moments, both for yourself and for everybody else. So I thought I'd start by saying that. But if you are interested, if you are more interested on the professional side of things, one of the earlier podcast episodes, uh, uh, episode 23, I believe, is Gig Etiquette 101 for Musicians. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode, I talk a little bit more about some of those aspects of actually playing uh, gigs. But today I'm going to go through these 10 tips. I'm going to go through them rather quickly. I'm not going to spend too much time on each one. I'm just going to elaborate on each. So I hope you have your notes out ready. But if you don't and you're out running right now, you're at the gym, you're on a commute, uh, you can go to the show notes later, learnjazzstandards.com forward slash episode 95 to check out all of these 10 tips if you'd rather see that all in writing. Okay, now number one, first tip for a successful gig or a jam session, and that is no repertoire, know the repertoire. Now, whether that be jazz standards, which is obviously a really important thing for jazz musicians to know, or whether that be knowing how to play a particular piece, an original composition that is required of the gig. You know, if you uh, are playing someone else's music, you know, know that music, you know, have put in the study time ahead of time, or make sure that you know a number of jazz standards to get through, you know, the most common ones that you need to know in order to have a successful time. Now, in a more recent episode, episode 84, I talk about important jazz standards you need to learn. And in that episode, I break down 40 standards into different important categories. So if you're wondering to yourself, you know, what jazz standards should I know? I mean, this list of 40 is a really good one to go off of, especially because I do break it down into different categories. So you can go back and listen to episode 84 if you want to dig deeper into that. But the bottom line is you need to know repertoire, right? Whether it's a gig where you're actually playing for money in front of an audience or as background music, or if you're playing at a jam session and you want to go play and network with other musicians, which is incredibly important. Jazz is a social music. You need to know repertoire. So be sure to spend time in the practice room learning repertoire so that you have a handful or or 10 or 20 songs under your belt that you can play. Okay, now number two is listen first, play second. Listen first, play second. Now, what do I mean by that? 
when we are playing with a group of other jazz musicians, our top priority should be to be listening to what everybody else is doing and responding, okay? Listening and responding. That is the roots of this music. Call in response. Listening to what other musicians are playing and feeding off of that energy. And it should go the other way around too. You know, if you're playing something and the other musicians should be responding to you as well. So everybody has their own part. Everybody has their own seat at the table. But it's up to us to listen to each other so that we can have the best musical situation possible, the best musical experience possible. But oftentimes with amateur musicians or less experienced musicians, that doesn't always quite happen. Sometimes it just happens to be that the musician just plays, you know, just plays whatever they know, whatever they're hearing and ignore the rest of the band. And we need to uh, listen first. And then play. You know, don't don't just start playing and assume things. Listen to what's going on and react to that. That's a really big golden tip for you when you're playing with other jazz musicians. That's the spirit of jazz, improvisation, call and response. So number two is listen first and play second. Now, going off of that, building from that is number three, which is take the focus off of yourself. Okay. Take the focus off of yourself because it's not all about you. If you're listening first, then you're automatically taking the focus off of yourself. You know, it can be really easy to indulge yourself in, you know, especially with jazz music. It's kind of an indulgent sort of music, right? You know, improvisation and focusing on virtuosity. There's the soloist, right? And you, and you pour yourself into all of that. But if you, take your ego out of the picture and you show up to a gig or you show up to a jam session with an attitude of service serving the other musicians, you take that focus off of you, automatically a lot of problems are going to be fixed. I've played with lots of musicians and I've played with some who walk in are completely humble and they're there to serve the music and therefore the music turns out awesome no matter what kind of different level of players are playing. And then I've also played with some other musicians who come up and they're in it for themselves. They're in it to show off. They're in it to, you know, let themselves shine and not listen first and just play for themselves and and kind of hog hog the show for themselves. And what happens when that when 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 musicians do that is the music suffers because that's just not how it works, not in most styles of music. And I would say, especially not in jazz, in my opinion. So number three is take the focus off yourself, show up in service of the music and the other musicians that you're playing with. Now, number four is show up with your homework done. Okay. Show up with your homework done. Now, what do I mean by that? We all need to spend time in the practice room, preparing ourselves for the musical situations that are going to come up. Okay, we need to practice. We, we, we have to pay a little bit of our dues. Now, I don't mean to say that in, in a sense of like, well, you have to put in X amount of hours before you go out and play a gig or show up at a public jam with more experienced players. Again, the music going out there and actually playing is a very pivotal, important part of your education. But at the same time, you need to have studied the music. You have to be listening to it. You have to know what jazz sounds like, of course. You have to know the elements and the essence of it. You have to have put in some time on your instrument so that you can hang, so that you can play in time. You need to know some jazz standards. You need to know the repertoire, like I mentioned in number one. You need to have some of these things put together, at least on a basic level. It doesn't mean you have to be a great player. By no means do you have to be any of that, but you have to have some knowledge. You have to have some preparation in place so that you can 
execute a song or a number of songs with a group of musicians. So number four is do your homework. Don't show up without having done your homework. Don't think that, you know, you can just show up and play with other experienced players without having put any work into it. No, you do have to. You do have to spend some time in the practice room. That's really important. So be sure you do show up with your homework done. Okay, now number five, be your own timekeeper. This is a really important one, okay? Be your own timekeeper. Now, it's kind of funny. Sometimes when you're playing with a group of musicians and you feel like the music sped up or it dragged, it slowed down, uh, a lot of times the drummers seem to get a lot of flack for this, right? Or the bassists get flack for this. But the truth is everybody in the band is a timekeeper. So I know the drummers listening today will love, love me for this and even the bass players. But yes, if you're a horn player, if you're a piano player, if you're a guitar player, it doesn't matter what instrument you play, you are a timekeeper in the band. Everybody is responsible for it. And so we all have to be working with that. We have to be working with our metronomes so that we can build an eternal internal clock. We have to be practicing a Along with records and trying to keep the form, you know, we have to practice that kind of stuff. We're all timekeepers. We're all responsible for this kind of stuff. And, you know, it's actually amazing, by the way, everybody in the band has a certain amount of power to make the music go faster or slower, you know, regardless of what role you play. You know, a piano player can comp in such a way that it makes the band speed up or slow down. A horn player can play lines in such a way that could cause the band to speed up or slow down. When a drum, uh, when a drummer is taking a solo, it's everybody's responsibility to try to track with the drummer where they are. Okay, so it's everybody's responsibility to keep time. That's really important. And I see this happen on gigs all the time is when not everybody is taking responsibility for this. The music can suffer. The music potentially can even fall apart. So be sure to work on that, keeping your time and, and realizing that you are part of that too, no matter what instrument you play. Okay, now number six is positive vibes only. Positive vibes only. Now there's nothing I hate more than vibey jazz musicians, pretentious, vibey jazz musicians. It's so, uh, oh, it's so disheartening. It's a terrible culture that sometimes exists in jazz, and it's awful. In fact, I dedicated an entire podcast episode to that, episode 71, why the vibing culture in jazz has to go, just because I think it's an awful thing that really just does not help anything. You know, we're, we're all in this together. We're all on the same path, though at different parts of that path we may be. There's no reason to put somebody else down uh, because you think you're better than them. You know, leave your ego at the door. We don't need to have any of this stuff going on. So please, no vibing. Keep positive, positive attitudes towards other musicians, positive attitudes towards the music, and even positive attitudes towards yourself. You know, don't, don't be showing up to a gig or a jam session and just constantly feeling down on yourself the way you're playing, it brings energy down for everybody else as well. If we all show up with positivity, then there's something positive is going to come out of the music. But if we're showing up with negativity, I think that things can suffer. So please, positive vibes only. And number seven is know your role. Know your role in the band. This is really important. And this this kind of covers a few different areas here. There's number one, as your instrument, what typically, what, what role typically does your instrument play? For example, I've been playing a lot with singers lately. And uh, as a guitar player, 
I'm required both to be able to play melodies and I'm also required to be able to accompany other musicians and uh, singer, singers is one that I especially have to deal with. And one thing I've realized in uh, over the time of playing gigs with singers is that I need to be able to confidently end a song and constant and confidently intro a song for a singer. And you know, that always that hasn't always come naturally. And there's still times where I have to really consciously think, you know, I'm in control of that. I need to really uh, help lead that charge. And that's my role when I'm playing with a singer. And, you know, I also play with another band at a club and it's a it's a sextet, so it's a lot of instruments, and there's a piano player present. And for that gig, I purposefully really minimally comp. I don't really accompany much. I kind of let the piano player take that. And my role changes to more of a horn player. So when it's my turn to solo or if I'm doubling the melody, then I'm doing that, but I'm not stepping all over the piano player's toes. So I'm knowing what role I play. If you're a horn player, uh, it could mean if you're playing in a big band, right, you're not going to be blowing over top of everybody else. You're going to want to be melding in with the rest of the section or if you're uh, the horn player that's playing the melody you know you're the star you know you have to lift it up you have to take that responsibility hone in on that or maybe you're a secondary horn player and you want to be playing counterpoint you know all kinds of different scenarios if you're a drummer if you're a bass player think about what does your instrument traditionally play how does it traditionally play what is the traditional role and then in the particular musical situation you're in what role are you playing how can you make the music sound the best it possibly can so that's number seven know your role now number eight it kind of ties in a little bit with number six about keeping positive vibes but it's a little bit different and that's leave competition at the door. Now, I really, uh, you know, there's some that may disagree with me on this, but I really do not think that music should be a competitive activity. This is not a sport, it's music. And uh, yes, I am a totally a peace loving hippie sort of character in that way. Music should be all about spreading the good vibes, and there's really no need for competition in it. You know, like I said, everybody's on the same path, different spots of the path, though they may be, and it's our job to encourage each other, not be constantly comparing and contrasting with each other. And it can be really damaging to yourself, too, because, you know, a lot of musicians, they suffer from, uh, you know, feeling down on themselves and the way they play and constantly comparing themselves to others. And, you know, I've found in my own career, career in my own musical life that that can be quite damaging personally really emotionally damaging to constantly be checking yourself on somebody else and it can create a lot of bad feelings can create a lot of bad vibes and instead of being competitive i would encourage you to do what my older brother does best and set personal records right focus on each gig or jam session as being your personal record how can you outdo yourself you don't need to outdo other musicians how can you outdo yourself and if you keep that attitude of constantly wanting to improve yourself you're always going to get better and you don't need to worry about how other people are matching up to you. You can be inspired by other musicians who are better than you. That's that's one thing. But I strongly encourage you to fight that urge to feel competitive against other musicians. I just don't think it's helpful to anybody. Okay, so that's number eight. Now, number nine is don't overplay. Okay, don't overplay. Just say your part and then pass the baton 
on. You know, I've heard jazz before described as a mini democracy of sorts. You know, everybody is kind of sitting around, you know, and everybody plays something together and then everybody has a turn to say what they want to say and everybody gets a chance to be heard. You know, I've heard that analogy before. I think it's a cool analogy. It's a good analogy, but sometimes you have people that are kind of hogging things. You know, they, they, again, this goes back to, um, you know, taking the focus off yourself, like I mentioned in number three, you have to step away and think about how can I serve the music in a broader sense, even outside of myself. So sometimes I hear this in musicians taking too long of a solo. You know, they had some great choruses of a solo, but then they just decided they want to keep going on. Sometimes that's appropriate. But other times it's like, I think the music should have stopped there. I think you you said what you needed to say and you probably should have you know, started capping it off and and closing it and passing it on to the next person. Um, So, you know, it's very subjective, but you can always tell when someone overplays. And also, you can take that in another direction too and just put that in the hands of the improviser. If you're overplaying all the time and not leaving space and breathing room, then that's also going to make the music feel claustrophobic. It's going to make your solo sound claustrophobic. You've got to give some air to breathe, leave some space. Um, what is it? There's this, that Miles Davis quote that says, um, oh, I, I think I'm going to butcher it, but you know, it's not the notes that you play, it's the notes that you don't play, something like that. It's, you know, it's kind of a powerful, striking little uh, quote, one-liner that he said once. And it's so true. You know, a lot of times what makes a series of notes or one note or a line powerful is the notes that you didn't play before, you know, the entrance that it actually came in. So keep that in mind. So both keep that in mind in your solos to leave space, but keep it in mind also in the broader sense of not hogging uh, the spotlight too much, you know, pass on the baton, don't overplay. Okay, now the last one I want to talk about, number 10, is a really important one, and it's reflect, okay? Reflect after the gig. What should I work on? You know, what went well? What didn't go so well? And, you know, a great way to properly reflect is to record yourself. And I do this from time to time. You don't have to record yourself every single gig, although I have some friends, some colleagues that do. They record just about everything they play and they listen back just to kind of check it out, see if anything great came out of it that they really liked that they did, or maybe to listen back and and probably most importantly, listen back and see what can I work on for next time? What went well? What didn't go very well? How is my phrasing going? How's my comping going? How are my baselines? You know, did I lose the form in this area? And if so, why? And, you know, listen back to all these things or, you know, look back at some of the other things like, was I overplaying? You know, there's a lot of things you can critique yourself. You can, be, you can be kind to yourself at the same time, but critique some areas of your playing so you can prove for the next time. And that's how we learn, right? That's how we do it. And, you know, sometimes we may even show up to a jam session or, in, or a gig with some really experienced players and get a little bit smoked, right? Like, oh, that, that tempo was way too fast for me. I got lost. I fell on my face. But you can list, listen back to that and you can be like, okay, cool. I think I know what I need to work on. And then you can get into that practice room and work on that for next time. And, you know, and that's what I do. That's, that's the attitude I always try to keep is, you know, not let maybe a failure that happened at a gig or jam session, you know, get me down, but, but try to learn from that experience and, and move on. And that's the most important thing that we can get out of playing gigs and jam sessions is actually in real practice, putting things to work. And by doing so, we can learn so much better. 
So really quickly, I'm just going to run through this list of 10 really quick, just to recap really fast. Number one was know your repertoire. Number two was listen first, play second. Number three is take the focus off yourself, put it onto the other musicians. Number four was show up with your homework done. Make sure you've spent time in the practice room honing your craft. Number five, be your own timekeeper. Everybody in the band is responsible. Number six, positive vibes only. No negativity needed. Number seven, know your role in the band, whether that be your personal instrument and what you normally do or what the musical situation requires. Number eight, leave the competition at the door. Okay, Go for personal records instead. Number nine, don't overplay. Just say your part, pass the baton, leave some space in your solos. Number 10 is reflect. What should I work on? What can I do to improve for the next time around? If you do all these things, you are going to continually have better, more successful gigs and jam sessions. And when everybody's doing all of these things that I just mentioned, some incredible musical moments can happen. And I've been in them before. I've totally been there before where everything just came together, all the musicians were on the same wavelength, and some real magical stuff happened. And it's the greatest feeling in the world, and I want you to have that too, okay? I want you to have that too. So if you have not started playing gigs, I want you to definitely dig in, jump in, start playing gigs here in 2018. If you're playing some, keep playing them, okay? Maybe you can try to play a few more. And if you're a professional or a semi-professional you know, more on the lines of, of how I operate in music, then, you know, try to maybe hone into some of these finer elements of reflection and improvement on where you're at and, and maybe even some of the more professional elements. I hope you get into this and I hope you start playing more gigs here in 2018. All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And once again, happy new year. Really uh, excited to have you listening to the show. Hope you'll be listening all year long. Now, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, man, 2018, I really want to work on my jazz playing. I really want to improve. I really want to get better. Well, I don't think there's any better time than now to start taking our 30 days to better jazz playing course. Our 30 Days to Better Jazz Playing course, it's uh, a 30-step process going through goal-oriented, focused practice sessions where you're going to be practicing things that will actually improve your jazz playing. That kind of stuff is learning jazz repertoire, learning jazz solos by ear, learning licks, and and just having real solid instruction and in, in, in actual structure to a practice session. So if you're serious about practicing, if you're serious about improving your jazz musicianship in 2018, I think it's a great idea for you to go over to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash 30 days. That's three zero days. Check out this course, see if it's right for you. And if it is, go ahead and enroll and I'd love to see you in that course. Great way to start off 2018. Now, as I always say at the end of this podcast, if you got value at today's show, Go to iTunes, your favorite podcast listening service. Leave us a rating and a review. It helps other people find the show, and we really appreciate your help. All right, now next week, we're going to be coming out with episode 96. I'm looking forward to seeing you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. 
Don't forget to join our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.